This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Just think, Danny Sarek and Darren Urban were right there for the genesis of the big trade that commanded all the headlines on draft night 2023. And I'm not sure the two of you even realized it until less than an hour ago. It is Cardinals Underground. It is Pauly Podcast. Teen up Darren Urban and Danny Sarek. By the way, Danny, me and you later, we're going to come up with a new fashion item that we're going to market on TikTok. We're going to make billions because what we're going to do is we're going to construct a sweatshirt that you put on like a straight jacket. Because that's the way you always wear your your sweatshirt because you're cold with all the extreme AC. I'm telling you, I think that's going to be a big seller. Darren, what do you think? I'm just over here eating my cupcake there, Paul. <laughs> I see. I Here's see. the deal. For some reason, the two of you, along with Craig Greelou, think that it is the funniest thing the way that I wear my sweatshirt around the office. Because sometimes, whether it is like my hair or not wanting to mess up my makeup or my earrings getting caught, whatever it is, sometimes you just don't feel like putting the sweatshirt on all the way over your head. And so, so I will just to go straight I'll put my arms yeah. through the slots and I'll just let the rest of it hang in the front. And it's kind of like I'm, I'm too cold in the studio right now to not wear anything, but I would be too hot if I had a full sweatshirt on. So this is my compromise. Isn't there a piece of equipment that NFL players wear? It's basically a full length, like forearm sleeve that comes up like mid bicep. Because that's basically what you're covering up right now with the sweatshirt. You should go over to the equipment room. Yeah. Forget the helmets, the shoulder pads, any. Just grab some of those long sleeves that you put up and down your arms. That's basically what you're covering right now. Not a bad idea. Okay. There you guys were at the combine in Indianapolis, according to Monty Ossenford. That's where all these conversations started. What he told Dave Pash on the podcast earlier today, that was where it all originated, that he went around and he worked the room and he worked all the other GMs and he said something along the lines of, look, I'm not sure if we are going to be picking at number three or not, but if we weren't, would you be interested in coming up? And then that's where some of the conversations started. And then obviously they picked up the week before. And then the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, according to Monty Ossenfort, that's where they really started get concrete. That was a word he used because when the Cardinals were on the clock at number three, if indeed they had decided to pull the trigger, they didn't want to have to start from zero, according to Monty Ossenfort. So Good he move. had some trade partners lined up and he had some basic building blocks of a blockbuster trade in place and then they just had to sort of finalize it as they were on the clock and they most definitely used almost the entirety of the clock going down to about the two minute mark before they agreed on the final details of the swap and then it had to be called in and all verified and ratified and then boom became official i mean you better i don't understand how you get quite frankly almost any trades done straight on the clock especially one of that magnitude that early in the draft so 
Not surprised at all that there were discussions. And Monty had said in the run-up to the draft there had already been a bunch of discussions, and, and it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, when we, we sit here and we look at what the Cardinals did in that draft, Monty Austin Ford's first draft running a room as a GM, and, and what they've got coming into 2024, I, I just you, – you really couldn't have asked for anything better, quite frankly, I think. Danny, what's your uh, initial reaction to what the Cardinals did, not only in the first round, but beyond? And when I say beyond, I mean into 2024. Well, that's what I like. The Cardinals had too many holes to fully address in the draft this year. If you had stayed at three and you would have taken, let's say maybe they wouldn't have taken Paris Johnson Jr., they would have taken a Will Anderson. Sure, that would have helped. But the fact that you only moved down three spots and you're still able to get Houston's first and third next year on top of a few other picks I like that because you're not only addressing the needs right now, you are planning ahead for the future. Again, because the Cardinals have so many areas they need to address that I like that this front office was not just planning for right now, but also thinking about what would make sense a year from now and what they think they're going to need and positioning themselves in a way to be successful. They already have 11 picks in 2024. I believe six of those are in the first three rounds. That's an incredible spot to be in when you just finished the 2023 draft. Talking about this year's draft, I do like the moves that they made. I like taking an offensive lineman. I've said that before. I know those aren't like sexy picks, but I like taking a big offensive lineman who has been successful not only on both sides of the ball, but inside and outside. That is incredible versatility. I like the other positions that they attacked as well throughout the draft. Um, I know that as you get further down the draft, it's less likely those players will come in and immediately be impact players. However, that's not to say they can't carve themselves a rollout pretty early on the season and and find themselves a role on this team. You know, the Cardinals draft party, I, I was semi-surprised that the Red Sea, the Bird Gang out there, they were all in favor, A, of trading away number three, and B, drafting an offensive lineman. To Danny's point, that isn't always necessarily the fan favorite, but I think they recognized, and if you were following football last year in the Arizona Cardinals, you definitely recognize that you need to rebuild the line of scrimmage. The, the people out at the draft party were not the people talking to me on Twitter. I'll say that. <laughs> a lot of angry Will hey, Anderson people. By the way, speaking of Twitter, how, how about, I think it was Pro Football Focus, some branch thereof that tweeted out the sort of analytic valuation or value chart of what the Cardinals got. And then the one line on the tweet was insane how the Cardinals have overtaken the Chicago Bears yeah. for basically gaining draft value. And assets when the Bears had the number one pick in the draft and obviously got a draft haul from Carolina to come up. But look what the Cardinals were able to achieve. So, yeah, that absolutely makes you bullish on the future. And by the way, speaking of the Red Sea, something that everyone needs to get ready for. CBS Sports already has a mock draft 2024 out and they already have the Cardinals drafting first and second. Taking a quarterback, I'd imagine. Caleb Williams, one. Marvin Harrison, Jr., two. That is the 2024 mock draft. So uh, so that's going to be out there, and that's going to be a narrative that we'll probably deal with the rest of this year going into next offseason. Our Jim Omohundra, I don't know if he's still around, but he should take a I bow. Know, for he, the, had, he had to go get lunch. Paul. Oh, for the once again, he works through lunch. He's, but, you a, know, he's a hard-working man. That's what happens. You know, for I mean, at the very least, someone should get Ohms some lunch for coming up with Monty Hall. Why don't H-A-U-L. you do that? You're right, I should. <laughs> you guys start talking. I'm going to call like one of those delivery services, okay? I'm just going to have it brought here on, on Ohms' behalf. Uh, yeah, I will say the Monty Hall joke 
I, I recognized who that was when the picture was brought up, but to me, let's make a deal as Wayne Brady. But growing oh, up, yeah. like sick days and stuff, like with my mom, like watching Game Show Network, like once I saw the face, I realized, okay, that's the original. Let's make a deal. But I would not have had not seen like if I hadn't seen that picture, I would not have known the name. See, I would still go, even though I was around for the Monty Hall days, I would go with a deal or no deal. That just seems to resonate more. Well, for the me. Cardinals, they did a tweet like that yeah, for the uniform reveal. The problem is deal with no deal. That wasn't Monty Hall, though. So Yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. It's it, very well done. So, um, yeah, there was that out there. I don't know. It doesn't there. sound like you're feeling it's very well done, Paul. I no, feel, I feel like you're kind of no, holding back was. there a little bit. Well, a little bit later, I'm going to tell you, and this is going to be my analogy, and so if you guys really want to pile on Paulie Pencilneck over here, I'm going to give you my analogy how drafting a player in the NFL is akin to buying a used car. And I probably will get a lot of blowback from the two of you. But as for Jonathan Gannon speaking it into existence, did he not say in the pre-draft press conference, quote, I cannot wait to see Monty work the phones on Thursday night? He did say that. And that was prophetic, was it not? It was. Because it wasn't just the trade there. Then it was the trade off the top of round two, which was interesting because we had talked about this. If Joey Porter Jr. had still been there at 33, would the Cardinals have traded out? Show of hands on that one. Darren, you most definitely think they probably would have traded out. I believe so. they were looking to trade. Okay. And, and when they did, that's where they were able to get more third-round picks. And then that's where they got the pass rusher. I'm just going to say, throughout that weekend and now, while I, I, I know like the rounds and the players that were taken, it was very difficult for me to keep up with what trade the Cardinals had made most recently, what picks that got them, where they were at in each round. It was... It was a lot going on. Well, look, there was the whole prediction by Ian Rappaport and others. No one has any idea what the Houston Texans are going to do. Well, kudos to them for all the smoke screens they put out there and the subterfuge and all that. We're not going to go quarterback. Of course they went quarterback, and they did. C.J. Stroud, the truly unpredictable team, was the Arizona Cardinals. And it played out going down to 12, come back up to 6. Well, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you on that. Go ahead. They were unpredictable in maybe exactly where they were going to pick, but almost everybody thought they were going to trade down. And by the time we got to the draft, most people were saying they're going to end up with Paris Johnson. So I don't know how unpredictable they really were. Well, if everybody was saying that Texans were going to, I don't know, somehow not take a quarterback, maybe make Will Levis, you know, their pick yeah, there. That, and I, I mean, that, you know, there was a, a few Wayne, oh, Wayne so, Levis, you know, Will Levis. By the, there. by the way, you couldn't help but notice that not long after the first round of the draft, the whole Reddit account had been deactivated. No. Yeah. Sales associate yeah. 1240 so, or yeah. whatever it was. What's amazing is that Reddit post actually altered betting lines that Vegas actually to a degree, bought it. You know what that means. No. Don't ever freaking bet. <laughs> That's right. Just yet another reason. Yeah, no no doubt about that. So, look, there was that. Um, in terms of other no comprendos, oh, I don't know. The Niners took a kicker on day two. Still don't really follow that one. Um, once again, Cardinals did not get their punter on day three of their draft like I was advocating for, so that, that didn't happen. Um, what else? What else were some of the takeaways the, you the guys Patriots had? The Patriots took a punter and a kicker, right? Did they? Yeah. They did. Mm -hmm. Okay, there you go. Um, I actually uh, did not see that. Yeah, it was later on in the draft. And look, I, I have some quibbles with this draft. You, you want the me Cardinals to get a, draft or the all Cardinals draft? Okay. You want me to give you some quibbles? Yes, here we please. go. Quibble okay. away. All right, here we go. There's no defensive tackle. Nowhere to be found. Position of dire need. 
Day three. No, no D-tackle. True, they get, did get the kid out of West Virginia. Dante Stills. Dante Stills, okay. So, um, you know, that's the cornerbacks they took, another position of need. Smallish. You know, not a lot of length in the corners. So, now, if they're ball hawks and they're aggressive, they fit the JG personality and the style, and that's his area of expertise, the defensive backfield. You, you're, you I have get some, it. You have some concerns about cornerback, Paul. Oh, I do. Oh, absolutely. By the way, ask me later uh, for the guy who supposedly stands out from the undrafted list. Uh, the oh, yeah. Do you, do you have our, do your guy already? The, uh, I'm not going to call my Pauly Pigskin breakout player at camp, but I think I have an inkling as to who to keep your eye on. Well, is, here, is it the tight end? No. Okay. Here's my thing about your quibbles, Paul. Okay. And, and I wasn't done, by the way, David. Oh, but go I'm ahead. Sorry, we can address no, these continue. one by one. Well, I just I understand that there, there was and still is a need on that defensive line. Absolutely. But with the picks that the Cardinals made, it's hard for me to say that, I, that that's a problem for me because those top picks they were making with offensive line, with Paris Johnson, with Edge, with B.J. Algilari, that those were also glaring needs. And I'm not to say that one position is less important than the other, but we, your, your favorite things are getting to the quarterback, right? And so I don't have a problem if those are the two areas that the Cardinals really stressed early on in the draft, and we also don't know their board, right? Maybe maybe there weren't D-tackles that were graded high enough to be taken above those players. Um, I do think it's interesting with cornerback and the wide receiver Michael Wilson that those two have recent and significant injury history. Um, so I, I'm okay with the quibble there with cornerback, but I, I don't feel like I have a problem with taking a D-tackle so late because it's not like they were addressing areas of need that were simply best player available. The players they took were still big holes to fill. Well, and to your point, the Cowboys, for example, late in round one took Mozzie Smith. So there was a semi-run on some of these defensive tackles the second half of round one, which left the cupboard bare atop round two, which is where I was thinking the Cardinals would target. But they still need an edge rusher, and they went after Ojolari. Yeah, see, I think, again, I, I would go with, did, did they get everything they needed? No. Did they take stuff they didn't need? I don't think so. Do you? No, I, I agree. There, I were, mean, the, there were enough the, needs that they were shopping. There were, there the was, wide receiver you took gives you size. Well, and you still, no matter what, and I'm sure we'll get to it later, we don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is going to be here. And, and I would see, I, I had a lot of people upset about the quarterback. Okay. But there's people besides uh, Clayton Toon, obviously he's first on the list, but there are people that believe that he's got a chance. There's some analytics that says he's got a chance to be something more than just a random fifth-round pick guy. I don't have a problem with that because I think a lot of teams do that where on day three at some point, if you have a quarterback you like, I don't have a problem with using a draft pick on a quarterback to try to develop to have maybe not a starter, right? Not everyone's going to be a Tom Brady, but somebody who will be a reliable backup for you. I don't I don't have a problem with taking a quarterback. I don't have a problem with the Clayton two pick at all, especially from yeah. the fact that it seems like he can use his legs maybe in a more similar fashion to Kyler Murray. I don't have a problem with taking a quarterback to develop late in the draft. Or, or if he develops really well, you, you know, you do the old Packers thing where they end up trading the backup for something good, maybe something yeah. better. I mean, yeah. if Clayton Toon turns out to be pretty good and you can flip him for a second or a third round pick later on when you got him in the fifth. 
Hey, uh, look, I, I'm all about the quarterback. I have no problem with that. Okay, so what do you have the problem so, with? So, I mean, the quibbles. And by the way, on, on the Clayton Tune, a couple of things. I, I think he is maybe the most intriguing player in this draft class. There are some reports that say he doesn't have the arm strength to make NFL throws. Mm. But then other scouts say, no, he absolutely does. I mean, there's this whole variety. All right, how, how does that even happen? Can we sidebar on this? How does that even happen? I, I don't know. I how, really how don't. How do you have some it's people confounding. saying, I mean, you either do or you don't, right? I, I And that's why I'm really curious. Like, you know, he had the best passing grade in all of college football, according to Pro Football Focus, and he had the highest on-target percentage in this QB class. So these are all, you get this intriguing thing, right? I mean, um, you also have his quote to the media, and you were there, Darren. I'm the best QB in this class. Yeah, I was there. So he's going to be good copy, I would think, right? I this mean, is true. And he seems like it. And don't forget, he's going to get us through the preseason because there's got to be a compelling reason to watch these three preseason <sighs> games. And when you get the rookie quarterback in to play the second half, that's always good stuff. Already wait a minute, into wait, the wait. second half of preseason games? Wait, 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 wait. I feel that was incredibly selfish. When you say watch these preseason games, don't you mean call these preseason games, Paul Calvisi? Listen to these preseason games specifically. You're absolutely right. You know, there's nothing better than a quarterback controversy in camp, even if it's for the backup quarterback spot. And you don't know when Kyler Murray's coming back. And you don't know what the status is of Colt McCoy, who at the voluntary veteran minicamp was not throwing the football. What does that mean? We, we don't know. And then you had his QB coach, who was his coach at the Senior Bowl, so you got to figure that Israel Wolfork has some sort of inside info. Toons quarterback coach, yeah, not right. I'm sorry, Clayton Toons, you know. And then there's the fact that Dorian Thompson Robinson was on the board right there, and he was the very next pick to That's Cleveland. True. DTR was the very next pick to Cleveland. So now the juxtaposition of who's going to be the better future NFL quarterback, Clayton Toon or DTR. I so mean, there's all these little things involved in that. Can we say the fun fact for anyone who might have missed it either right on the ahead, draft Danny. live stream or on Twitter? Because yeah. this is bonkers yep. to me. Where did yep. you put that out again? What, what? On on uh, the at AZ Cards Insiders Twitter account for breaking news and more. Ding. So Clayton Toon's great great uncle Jim Lawrence was the Cardinals' first ever draft pick in 1936 when the team was still in Chicago, and somebody in our media relations department called Clayton and his family to double check and they didn't even know I mean it is true they ended up confirming it but that wasn't even something they knew it was somebody else who reached out to our social media department I mean just crazy the odds that Clayton Toon who is now an Arizona Cardinal his great-great-uncle was not only a Cardinal as well but the first ever draft pick for this organization that is a certified mind blow there's no doubt about that 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 is crazy stuff and by the way, there were 10 quarterbacks drafted in the first 150 picks, which is the first time since 1995. And a lot of these quarterbacks who had a lot of experience ended up going on day three. It was the Brock Purdy effect Yep, is what a lot of people talked about. So Clayton Toon, he started games all five years at Houston, 44 total starts, calls himself the best quarterback in the class. He says he can make every throw, plus off-schedule throws, plus he's more mobile than people realize. Okay, he did have a lot of rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, has a degree in finance, so boom, all right, there you go. That's intriguing. Now, back to my quibbles. Where were they? Here we go. I oh wrote them down. D-tackle was one. Smallish cornerbacks was two. Now, Danny lumped that in with injury, but I'm separating injury histories as number three. 
because there are various uh, players with injury histories, including the receiver, who each of the last three years had his uh, season cut short, Michael Wilson. And then there was who you left on the board when you took B.J. Ojolari. You left Keon White on the board, who went a couple of picks after to New England. He's, he's, an, edge. he's an edge guy, but he's 6'5", 280-something. He's okay. a different sort of edge guy. Yeah. You also had Joe Tipman, who was the center for Wisconsin, like a five-year player, four-year starter, who was considered an absolute plug-and-play starting center for the next decade. So would you have preferred... He went two picks later. Then, then Ojolari. Is that what you're saying? That's where he went, the center? I'm so just, so you would have... I'm, I'm just confirming. You would have been okay instead of addressing an edge, which by that point you're probably not going to find an edge that would really have a chance of coming in and maybe finding a way to be a starter. You would have preferred the Cardinals to take an offensive lineman with their first two picks. So you're already concerned about cornerback, and then you also want to make sure there's no pass. Rush. You're just going to beef up the offense and let the defense wow. figure it out? Okay, this is double barrel here. <laughs> I'm getting from both sides. I'm just sides. trying to make sure that we are understanding your quibble. I'm just saying I have my eye on the second-round pick because you left some value on the board. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know that. And, and I guess I get my eye on all three players. Let's just well, put no, it that way. Well, well, I, I, when, it, when you say you left value on the board, they left Paul Calvisi value on the board, but we don't <laughs> know right. how they had Tipman right. ranked. And, you're right. and you know what's interesting is, is... Obviously, they had him ranked, ranked lower than Ojolari. Less than two hours ago, Nick Rowless, the Cardinals' new defensive coordinator, said he loved B.J. Ojolari against the run. Well, if you look at his scouting reports... The negative in almost every scouting report is he's a liability against the run, and that's why he dropped out of round one. So once again, who's right on this stuff? I don't know. We're going to have to see it, and you'll probably find out in camp. Can he hold the point or not? You're going to know this right away. True. So this is the intriguing stuff that leads to you know, a hit rate of like 50% if you're lucky as a team on your draft class every single year. I mean, I, I get the center thing. I completely 100% understand it. And I understand the people that are concerned about that. And trust me, I went through a lot of it with the kid from uh, Luke Whipler. Yep. yep. Who, they, who they passed on like yep. three times and yep. people got mad about that. He but won like late round six or something. All that tells me is they didn't have him ranked very high. You know, it was Eno Benjamin all over again. <laughs> Why are you taking Eno? Because yeah. we don't want Eno. Right. You know, and it's it, I, I don't I don't understand why that's so hard to. I, I just I think don't. I'm just laughing the way that everything panned out with that situation. That's why I just what the Whipler stuff. No. Oh, the and, Eno stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and and look, there, there's plenty to like on B.J. Ojolari. I mean, he was first team All SEC since 2020. He had 126 QB pressures, second only to Will Anderson. So there's there's a lot of stuff to like. The athleticism supposedly has a really good motor. Uh, he, they some of these sky reports say he plays with more leverage than you'd think. Okay, you know we'll see. We'll see what happens out there. I'm just I'm just throwing those out there. Now as for the two cornerbacks, once again both are five foot ten. So okay, um, but if they can play, you can play. And, and Garrett Williams, from a lot of accounts, if he wouldn't have torn his ACL in October after eight games for Syracuse, might have actually been a day one pick threatened to be the end of round one so maybe if they're, they're willing to wait and we'll see if there's a realistic expectation if he, him being good to go by august if not they're going to be patient with it as you know what's going to happen with the rest of the cornerback uh, room that's why when you look at the list of undrafted free agents the 10 free agents rookie free agents who were signed my intel is that the corner out of georgia state quavian white 
Now he's only 5'8", 187. Yeah, see, that's the, when I saw 5'8", I'm like, yeah. but apparently. So this, does that really mean 5'8", or does that yeah. mean like 5'6", five, 5'7"? Five, Great point. I don't know. Is know, well, he Michael Adams all over again? I don't know. But, uh, you know, he played 40 games in five years, and I'm told he, he can play, and he'll have a legit. Here's the thing. These guys, a lot of these guys are going to have a legitimate shot mm-hmm. at this roster. This is correct. Uh, you know, the defensive linemen, because the Cardinals didn't invest a lot in the defensive line in this draft and or in free agency, the Michigan State kid, Jacob Slade, 6'3", 293, started 26 games at Michigan State. My understanding is he's going to have a realistic shot at making this team. And I, guess, and I guess he got pretty significant money as well from the Cardinals because that was definitely a need. And then it's hard not to notice the ASU guy, Kyle Soley, the uh, three-time team captain. Uh, last year, you know, had six games in a row with 10-plus tackles, and he's got 53 games under his belt as an ASU middle linebacker. And he's going to – look, was Zaven Collins moving to the edge? Maybe. Probably. Nobody's confirming this, Paul. What? Give me your best guess as to how the inside linebacker position stacks up. Name some names and some positions right now. Is he your Mike? Because he historically has been your Will. Maybe he's your Will. I don't know who your Mike's going to be. I, I'm not 100% sure Zaven Collins isn't playing inside either. Now This feels like just a continuation of I, I feel year. like – I feel like, you know, and we just came off the, the press conference, and, and by the way, you were mentioning Jacob Slade. He got $200,000 guaranteed, which mm-hmm. is a, a pretty large mm-hmm. chunk of guaranteed money pretty, for an undrafted rookie. Pretty good. Um, we just got off the press conference with Nick Rallis and, and Drew Petzing and, and Jonathan Gannon, and one of the things they were talking about was their linebackers and wanting guys to go side to side. Who knows? Maybe Simmons is there with Kaiser White. Yeah, maybe. Maybe because – if there's one, you know, look, you're the ASU guy, Darren. But there's I am one, the ASU guy. If there's one drawback on Kyle Soley, it's that maybe he doesn't quite have that sideline to sideline speed, right. which is probably ultimately why he wasn't drafted. Yes, I mean, again, that's the. <laughs> I asked the question about Owen Papo in the in the press conference of, okay, he's a team captain, he's highly intelligent, he is. His Twitter handle is the freak, and there's a reason for it. He's doing 29 reps on the bench and running a four three nine. Why was four? Was it four two nine? No, I think it was four three nine. Yep, three nine. Which, by the way, second fastest by a linebacker since 2003 with Isaiah Simmons. But he goes in the fifth round. So, and he was their second pick of the fifth round. So, like, what is that? He's six foot two twenty five. I mean, again, that's that's about where they like size wise. So what is he not doing to get drafted earlier? He had the second highest overall athleticism score among linebackers in this draft class. So but once again he projects because of his size and his weight, he projects more at the will. Right. So okay, does he compete with Isaiah Simmons? Do they have other plans for Isaiah Simmons? I don't know. Forty one starts. At Auburn, he has experience. To your point, he has football IQ. I mean, there's so much up in the air because you don't know. I mean, all things being equal with where this team is, they're going to go young. And they're going to go – they're not going to care. They don't have any ties to the guys that were already here. Um, And every year we see guys not play or get cut when there is a new coaching staff. It always, always happens. It's not always as dramatic as Pete Kendall getting cut. Right. And look, as far as Owen Papo goes, as a rookie, I could see him in a, in a nickel or dime package. He can run. He can cover. 
So he comes out and, you know, maybe they put him on the running back or they put him on a smaller tight end. I, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that – what we do know is, and it was confirmed to the press conference, Isaiah Simmons, his fifth-year option was not picked up. And so what that would have meant was a guaranteed salary of $12.7 million plus for 2024. Cardinals did not pick that up. We talked about this on the Red Sea Report. To me, there's just too much uncertainty. He's like the NFL. Not just to you, Paul. The NFL player version of the inkblot test. You look at Isaiah Simmons, you're like, what do you see? What do you see? Paul, that might have been one of your better metaphors. Do you see a Will linebacker? Do you see an edge guy? Do you see a slot corner where he played the majority of his snaps last year, Danny? I mean, answer the question, Danny. Don't avoid it. (laughs) What do you see in Isaiah Simmons? Do it. Answer the question. Look into the crystal football and tell us. Well, I... It's interesting. If you're going based off that, you think he'd play more slot corner. And and the way that we were hearing defensive coordinator Nick Rawls talk in the press conference on Tuesday was that it kind of seems like maybe Zayvon Collins might be like the new Isaiah Simmons in the sense of being a hybrid and kind of moving all around. And I don't know that you do that with two players on the defense. I would think maybe you would keep someone like an Isaiah Simmons, if that's the case, maybe more in one area. It makes sense to me why you would not pick up his fifth option for what Darren was just talking about. You have a new front office, you have a new coaching staff, and and it was Jonathan Gannon who talked about in the press conference, you know, Isaiah Simmons has to play well, not just for himself, but also for the team. I, I think, I mean, I think some of what is being talked about right now, I'd like to see exactly what that means. We, we all have this idea of Isaiah Simmons playing around all over the place type thing. And there, there's a realistic thing to that because he was playing slot and he was playing some linebacker and he was playing some safety. And then I hear Nick Rollis talk about moving guys around, and I don't know if it's quite the same thing. I mean, every, every defensive player moves around to a certain extent. I mean, Aaron Donald moves around, sure. but he doesn't move like that. He moves to different parts of the line. But Rollis so, also said as part of that explanation to the media just a little while ago that you need to get really good at one thing and then move on to the next thing that's true which i thought was intriguing because are they paring down what's on his plate well are they picking one thing to focus on one of the things i've heard about this defense is it's not as complicated as the previous defense in the first place so if that's true you know yeah you might not have had to pare down it might already be there and Again, it's going to be fascinating how this all gets deployed and, and exactly what we see. I mean, for me, to me, the preseason games will be really fascinating. Do you play everybody? It's a brand new defense. Are you really not going to put guys in games at all until it counts in a defense and or an offense that nobody's really done? And, and, and the way he's talked about it, he has confidence in not playing a lot of guys in the preseason. But we've seen some disastrous results when you have not played some of your regulars in preseason games. So, i.e., the Cardinals to start last yeah. season. Yep. So, and look, then there was the Steve Wilkes year where they did play a lot in the preseason. They looked great in the preseason. Ended up being a false positive. Ended up being this is true an also. inaccurate indicator of what was to come. So screw it. It doesn't matter. So, None of it matters. Oh, look. I'll say this much, though, to your earlier point, to go back two points ago. (laughs) I do believe there will be less on the plates of every single player on both sides of the ball. I I do, based on some of what I've heard, for example, Zayman Collins had way too much on his plate a year ago as a first-year middle linebacker calling the defense. 
a guy who sat mostly behind Jordan Hicks the year before. Um, even some comments to start the offseason about Kyler Murray and just everything he had to think about and decide on the fly when he was either in the gun or under, you know, every once in a while under center. It just I think they're going to remove a lot of that off some of the point people on either side of the ball, the quarterback of the offense and the quarterback of the defense. Now, whether Zayvon Collins is that guy in defense, I think that remains to be seen. On My guess is, as of right now, right here, it's Kaiser White, just because of his familiarity. Probably. And, and there's no reason why, even if he's Will linebacker, he couldn't call the defense as long as he's in the front seven. That, that's still feasible and doable. So, going back to Isaiah Simmons, he is scheduled to be a free agent after this coming season. Doesn't mean they can't do a contract extension, right? Correct. Doesn't mean they can't use a franchise tag if they ultimately decide. If he has some bust-out season this year and they can't come to terms, you do have the the option of the tag. I know, I know everybody's afraid of another Hassan Reddick situation. But you're also talking about a different coaching staff and a different general manager making these decisions. That's part of it. And and if you go back and look at the Hassan Reddick stuff, I mean, he wasn't happy with how his career played out here, which is one of the reasons he left. But it's when Hassan Reddick originally left as a free agent, he didn't get paid. He got like $7 million from Carolina for one year. That's yep. it. Yep, it's true. And he, I'm sure they would have brought him back here for that, but at that point he didn't want to do it because when, when at first they thought, okay, he's going to go get the bag and we're not going to be able to afford it. And by the time he realized he wasn't going to get the bag, they had moved on here. So, I mean, it's, it's not like Hassan Reddick went and got – he got paid after Carolina. And he's proved, it, he's proved yep. everybody right. Yep. He has. But uh, let's just throw this out there as well. His last year with the Cardinals, he was still opposite Chandler Jones. So there was a lot of people well, wondering. And even though Chandler had an injury plague season. He didn't play. The reason Hassan Reddick started playing a bunch was because Chandler got hurt. That's right. That's oh, that's right. It was week. That's right. Week it was weeks. Yes, in New York. In New York. The Jets, the bicep. The 2020 year. That's right. Okay. And so Hassan Reddick got his chance, yeah. which if, if Chandler Jones doesn't get hurt, Hassan Reddick doesn't have yeah. that kind of year. Then and then everybody would be like, why would you have guaranteed him $10 million? Then the other game in New York, he had the five-sack game Correct. against Daniel Jones. Yes. So that obviously inflated the numbers. Yes. But now look at what defense he's on as well. Look at how loaded the Eagles Again, have been. But that, so, okay. that's everything, right. too. Yeah, you know, I get it. Look, the real mistake with Hassan Reddick, and we'll never bring this up again, was just the fact that you try to put a, a square peg into a round hole for three years. Well, he should have been what, moved to the edge early. And that's what people are afraid of with Isaiah. Now, the yeah. difference is... Everybody knew, okay, if you don't play Hassan Reddick as inside linebacker, you make him an edge rusher. Nobody can really decide. Right. I, I even the people that say, Yeah, you're not using Isaiah right, I don't I don't get it from fans, from the people I talk to, nobody really can come up with, well, he definitely should be a safety or he definitely should be a slot corner or he definitely should be an edge rusher. Everybody there's all people that say those things, like there'll be inst- examples of all those, but th- there's not a group that says, Oh yeah, he should be at this spot. And that's what makes it so intriguing when he's eventually on the field. Where will he be? It's the inkblot test again, Danny, okay? His middle name is Rorschach. Is that correct, by the way? That is pretty good. I like that, yeah. Uh, You know the guy we haven't mentioned was round four pick out of UCLA, John Gaines, who had— There's your center, Paul. 
This Maybe. is intriguing to me. He had an elite athleticism score there, Darren, as you know, of 96. This was based on all the combine and, uh, you know, his 40 and his vertical and all ranked in the top 10 of interior alignment since 2003, including the fastest short shuttle of anyone. And well, you has, know what happens when you have a fast short shuttle, Paul. <laughs> that's right. For an offensive lineman. Who, who needs the 40 on an offensive lineman? Just give me the 5 and 10 yards. Are you kidding me? Give me the three cone. He played in 45 games. He started 30. He's sharp, apparently, you know, mentally. He's got the football IQ and beyond. So and Aren't, he's, aren't the positions right guard, center, right tackle? Is that right off the top of my head? Here it is. I have it right here. I don't know this off the top of my head. It's in my notes. In 2021, he started at center, right guard, and right tackle. And then last year, he played left guard and center. And they also played some center at the East-West game. No, that was and then and then and I'm sorry. All of last year was uh, right guard only, 13 yeah. games. So yeah, it was over a three-year starting span. He basically played everywhere. So I like that again. The versatility, the quick feet. Um, I'm I'm not so sure that he would come in and be your starting center. I know that we're excited about center. That to me is maybe more depth um, for a position there. But but I like I like that it's not just versatility of oh he can play wherever. It's it's the offensive linemen they're taking with versatility have played multiple times in multiple positions. What if Lasita Smith was your center? Well, although yeah. Jonathan Gannon mentioned uh, Froholt in his press conference yeah. that he's done a nice job so far, you know, with no helmets on and no defense. But. At least Yelda Froholt as NFL experience he's seen. You know, he has five six years worth of seen NFL fronts. In, yes. And being able to recognize. But the only center he's played was basically because of the Browns had their top four centers get hurt, and yep. then he was forced to yep. play there. Now, based on what we saw at the end of last season, um, he's going to need to make that big jump from year one to year two. I'm just going to put it yeah, that way. That's fair. So, uh, does he have I'm a, just you know, throwing things out yep. there. I mean, look, <laughs> we honestly don't know. And for a team that had ten different starting offensive line combinations a year ago, you know, the possibilities are endless, including, and there's there's a large faction of people who still think there is a signing to come. I mean, guys, don't you think that between now and the start of training camp, you're going to have to sign a veteran center. You're going to have to sign at least one veteran defense alignment. You're going to have to sign a veteran corner. There are guys on the street right now with NFL experience that you need. And I figure we'll get a significant amount of playing time this season. Those are probably the three positions I could see that happening the most. There are other positions, whether that's this year and trying to find depth or something that's going to be talked about more next year. I think safety is currently going under the radar of a position that you might have your starters right now, assuming, which we all do at the moment, that Buda Baker will be here come fall, him and Jalen Thompson. I still think that is a position where – it's not so much a need to get somebody who can come in and play right away, but a position where it's important to start adding depth. Wide receiver is probably another position where if you're trying to look at tight end. Um, yep. But but tight I agree, if, yep. if, if you're going to start looking for a veteran to bring in, I would agree would, you'd have to focus on center, defensive tackle, and, and maybe still, still look for another cornerback to bring into the room. Um, th- those would probably be the three I would agree with you on that, Paul. I'm not sure that putting tight end as high on that list would make sense by the way in terms not when you have blake whitehart <laughs> i was just gonna this is not the time for jokes darren no they've got blake whitehart 
supposedly this guy has skills. I mean, you know, he played in 50 games at Wake Forest, so um, you know, he's a pretty natural pass catcher. The guy that's intriguing, I think, that might have the better shot of actually making the final roster is the other tight end out of Michigan, a former offensive lineman who moved to tight end during his Michigan career. He checks in at 6'4", 259. And he's got what? No catches? One Joel catch? Joel Hunningford is the I, name. I, I Hunningford. Think, I think he's got like one catch in yes. his whole life. So, so a blocking tight end. Blocking tight end. So... Which, by the way, where's Wolf? Because, uh, you know, he owes me lunch because Wolf's telling me that they were going to draft a blocking tight end. I said, there's no need to draft a blocking tight end. They're not, they'll be there at the end of the draft. Sure enough, Cardinals got one of the top likes. So that's your guy? That's the guy you were bringing no, up? No, here's the guys. <laughs> there's only 10 of them, Paul. No, there's Come on. four guys you, to keep an eye like on. Four out of 10? Four out of 10, that's, keep that's an eye on. That's not. In this order. In this He's order. covering all his bases. No, Quavian White, number one. Yeah, you already said. Jacob Slade, number two. As, list yeah. the positions as well, please. Imari DiMarcato, the, the running back, back. Yeah, okay. number three. And then Kyle Sole, number four. And then you can choose whichever tight end you want, number so five. So half. Five of the Those 10. Are the, that's my power poll of undrafted rookie free agents. I mean, I don't disagree. Well, I haven't seen any of these guys. I, I, I do think any cornerback at this point, I think that's wide open. But again, you do pause when a guy's five eight. Now that yes, well, you all do. due respect to yeah. Michael Adams, I mean, yeah. you you better be really, really, really yeah. good, yes, especially on special teams. Yeah. Um, you better and, be the Steve Smith of corners. And and I wonder a little bit about him. I mean, because you think about who who they have right now. I mean, does Christian Matthew make the team over a guy like that? Yes, just based on the size, I would believe. But but you're right; he has no pedigree or standing with the current decision makers. So, you know, I'd be disappointed if Christian Matthew couldn't beat out a five eight guy. Yeah, yeah. If he can't, I mean, it's six two. I mean, he better beat out. And how tall is Keytrail Clark? Five ten. Keytrell so, Clark is the other one we haven't really covered um, as of yet. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I want a five eight and a five. Well, I guess five ten. He's five ten. Not everyone can be as tall as you, Darren. But but he ran a four four two forty. Keytrell Clark. Keytrell Clark started all twelve games last year. Two thousand twenty one though he had a torn ACL. He has a connection to the Cardinals corners coach Ryan Smith, who tried to recruit him okay. out of high school years ago. So with your your fine power pole of half the freaking undrafted guys. <laughs> Are you counting it if they make the practice squad? Uh, the 16-man practice squad? That, you know, that shouldn't count. Yeah, no, not really. No, absolutely not. Can you not. go through the list one more time? Sorry. Which list are we talking about? Your Dan? list. Your four. The, the uh, power I'll be, I'll be quiet now. of sorry, rookie Danny. free agents. I apologize. Number one, Quavian White, the corner. Number two, Jacob Slade, the defensive lineman out of Michigan State, 6'3", 293, 26 starts. Number three, Amari DiMarcato out of TCU a smaller but scat-back type running back. Number four, the ASU linebacker Kyle Soley, three-time team captain for the Devils. And then number five would be either one of the tight ends. So so six. If you're giving out a Wait, just grew to six? <laughs> he said four, and then he goes number five, either one of the tight yeah, ends. Yeah, that's six. I'm Paul. trying to be nice over here. Okay, just for that, I'm going to make you talk about DeAndre Hopkins. Here we go. What exactly? Uh, where, where does this stand? Who said what I is going to on? talk about DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, here, what is going so, on here? Let me fill you guys in. Oh, oh, oh here okay. we go. On social media this week, Hop posted a video. He was working out, and he had the geotag of Phoenix, Arizona, and his selfie video basically said something along the lines of, "Who said I didn't want to stay in Arizona?" 
which made me scratch my head a little bit because with all but saying the words, I don't want to stay in Arizona, it was Hop who said that. And it was Hop's team who was going on a media tour naming specific teams he would be interested in playing in. And it was Hop's team who got permission from the Cardinals front office to have trade talks with other teams. So that was a little interesting to me. Maybe maybe both can be true. Maybe he was interested in a trade, but interested in staying here. Maybe after seeing them address the offensive line uh, and thinking a little bit and, and maybe the fact that Kyler Murray is going through rehab well, maybe he thinks there's still some magic to be made here in Arizona. I don't really know what was going on with his in his head when he made that video, but that is the update, that DeAndre Hopkins is still a Cardinal. And at, after the first night of the draft at his press conference, Monty Austinfort said that they didn't have plans to trade him moving forward. So who really knows where we are? We Nobody really knows, but I will say that you want to talk about maybe what motivated him is the fact that after Monty Osifort said, I don't see him going anywhere, he, Monty Osifort reached out to his reps or his reps reached out to Monty and said, yeah, we can't, we're not getting any kind of trade right now that we'd be willing to pull off, so he's not going anywhere. I mean, what are you going to do? No. Well, I guess if you take D-Hop's Instagram video here this week at face value, he never did quite say it. No, he never has. Verbally. But he had Technically, his, neither is Buda Baker. He's had his hype men say it, though, Von Miller and Des Bryant. And then he went on the podcast, the video podcast, and he made facial expressions that said he'd be more than willing to go to Buffalo and KC. And Hopkins was posting videos straight up saying, where do you want to see me play this year? So while he, again, verbally did not word for word say, I want to be traded out of Arizona, he also wasn't doing much to quiet the noise. And didn't this offseason start with his IG post where he said, forever grateful? Yes, it was cryptic. So, okay. Yeah, neither neither yeah. Buda Baker or DeAndre Hopkins have said publicly they want to trade. The Buddha thing came out as a he reportedly told the team. So he, that's not him coming out. That's that's a source, I guess, in the team. Obviously, the Hopkins thing it got put out there. I and I I, I thought of this when I uh, the other day, the report went about seeking a trade. The report specifically said. Teams have gotten permission to talk to Hopkins about a trade. It didn't say Hopkins had had permission to speak to teams about the trade. So I don't know what that means, if it's if it means nothing or if, if that was said exactly how it needed to be said. I don't know. Is it okay if I talk to the teams? Can I do that? Can I take a moment here? Pauly PSA with a shout-out to the Buffalo Bills. Um, you can go ahead and you, you want to leave? You can add your Dalton Kincaid, right? But you didn't add another receiver to go with Stephon Diggs. Kansas City, um, if you're really counting on Kadarius Toney to be your number one outside receiver this year, good luck with that in defending your Lombardi trophy. And if you're the New York Giants and you can think trading up into round three to draft Jalen Hyatt, the burner out of Tennessee, and he's already arguably wide receiver one for a Giants team that's stuck in the same division as the Eagles and to a lesser extent the Cowboys, and you think that's going to put you over the top, and get you a second playoff win this year, I think you're sadly mistaken. So my shout-out to those other teams in the NFL is keep jockeying for price and keep thinking the Cardinals are going to cut, perhaps, DeAndre Hopkins. You're going to free on the market. Uh, not going to happen. I think there will be enough competition, and there will be something finalized at some point. Maybe we just need to get through the offseason and training camp 
may, maybe teams just kind of need to to see who they have right now on the field, get through a week or two of the regular season, kind of see what's working. I mean, I'm, I'm not to say that just because Austin Ford said that DeAndre, they don't have plans to trade him. DeAndre Hopkins is a Cardinal and, and Hop was posting that selfie video. I don't think that's to mean that a trade still couldn't happen. Yep. I think maybe what the Cardinals were being offered around the draft wasn't exactly what they were looking for. But maybe as you start to get closer or the start of the season and teams really do realize how having him on that on their team could really help them take that next step, maybe something will happen there. Well, to your point, think about it. Um, Tennessee last year, they traded away A.G. Brown. Disaster. They knew it in training camp. Traylon Burks was not going to be the guy. So if somebody is in that same predicament this year, then maybe in the middle of August, they realize it the hard way. All of a sudden, Monty Asifor gets a call for D-Hop, right? So there you go. By the way, I'll leave you with this. My analogy that drafting a player is like buying a used car, which I just oh, did yeah, you mentioned for that. the 16-year-old. I mean, think yeah. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're trying to buy a used car. There's thousands of listings out there, just like there's thousands of players, right? you got to narrow down your needs. Got to do your research. What are we targeting? What position? What vehicle? You got to look at the pictures, right? And you do all that sort of research, maybe even some videos. You go out, you take it for a test drive, just like the combine or the pro day. Then you interview the seller, just like a top 30 visit, right? And then you get the mechanic to do the top 150 inspection, just like you might do with your team doctors. Think of all the similarities between buying that used car and drafting a player, but ultimately at the very end when you part with the cash. It is a leap of faith. You don't know. Is this thing going to get me home or not? Yeah, you find out. You do your research, sort of like the draft. There's a 50% hit rate, sort of like with buying a used car. Am I wrong, Danny? No. <laughs> She's just bored is what she is. No. No. No, wait, we got... we got underwhelming... Well, no. we got one more. Oh, we do? Yeah. Um, fans have really liked the new uniforms the unveiling event that we hosted paul and just wanted to share there's going to be an exclusive more in-depth behind the scenes look at those new uniforms and the players seeing them for the first time and all that in the latest flight plan episode which drops this thursday at noon arizona time because it seems that whenever we we tweet something about any sort of time people always want to know what time zone we're talking about as if we wouldn't be talking about the time zone that the team is in so let's make that clear. Thursday at noon, which would be May 4th, I don't know what new episode about, of Flight Danny. Plan. I, I've never been snarky about something like Three that. Three hours behind Eastern Time, for exactly. those who are wondering. Okay. Right now. Cardinals Flight Plan. There you go. Hashtag Emmy Award winning. That'll do Hope it. Hope your car works out. <laughs> so do I. Well, I won't know. I'll give you a grade on the car two years from now. And that'll do it for Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.